0: and welcome back to On Your Terms. I'm your host, Sam VanderWielen, an attorney turned entrepreneur who helps online coaches and service providers legally protect and grow their online businesses using my DIY legal templates and my ultimate bundle training. So this week we are talking all about like when you should do stuff in your business versus when you should outsource. Do you have to be good at everything in your business? Like do you have to be a marketer? Do you have to be a copywriter? Do you really have to wear all of these hats when you own an online business? I think it's a really interesting question. I personally, as I talked about in this episode, I'm somebody who likes a lot of what we do and is also somebody who's inclined to be like, I'll just do it. I'll just do it. I'll just do it. And that I will. Well, you're going to have to listen. I shared how that went and I shared what I did instead to actually grow my business, not drive myself crazy, but also how I still do some things I love in my business, even though I don't have to. So we're going to get into it before we do. I want to give a shout out to Megan FS. She says, I've been following Sam for a while. I joined the ultimate bundle and now I've been binging the podcast. It's like having a conversation with a friend while also learning a ton about the legal side, being an entrepreneur and how to build an online business. I feel more confident knowing that I have the tools to build a legally legit business, but even more than that, like I'm connecting with a real person that I can relate to in so many ways. Sam and her podcast are fantastic. Thank you so much, Megan. I so appreciate that very kind review and we are friends. And um, you can also leave a review in Apple Podcasts of my show on your terms and you'll be entered to win a $20 Starbucks gift card. All you have to do is just leave a review on Apple. It's simple as that. All right. With that, let's hop in to this week's episode. So the age old question, like, when should you do something versus when should you outsource it? How many things do you hold on to your business versus how many things do you try to hire out for? Plus, what do you do when, like, you know, budget's a little tight? You can't go around hiring everybody to do everything, right? It's a really tricky balance. And what I often see is that on the one hand, people will, like, hang on to things way too long. And try to do everything themselves in the business and wear all of the hats. And I think we all know that there are many, many hats to be worn. And then that ends up holding us back. Right. Or it actually costs us a lot of money because I think that one thing that people just really don't think about and like, I don't know, Ryan always tells me one of the things my husband, in case you don't know, um, Ryan always tells me that like one thing he thinks I'm really good at is seeing time as money, even in our own life, because I'll just be like, no, it's like not worth us doing that. Like we can get somebody else to do this and then we can go off and do this other thing. And I think that a lot of times in our businesses, we actually think that we're like saving ourselves a lot of money by not hiring people to do certain things. And then, in fact, that's actually uh, costing us a lot of money for the reasons I'm going to break down in this episode. Um, And so we might maybe have a little bit of a mindset shift in that area today. There's also like the idea that somebody else could be better at it. Um, on the flip side, I think a lot of people think that somebody can't be better at it or that it won't be done to your liking. Um, that was like something that I held on to for a long time was not, not that I wouldn't be better, um, or that anyone could be better at stuff, but that it wouldn't be done to my liking and it would end up costing me like more time. So I, it was not that I thought I'd be better at it, but I was like, I'll just get it done because then that way I don't have to like go back and forth. It was also like a really easy out for me to like not have to express preferences to people because I didn't like giving feedback and saying like, hey, I don't really love the design on this. So if I just design it myself, I didn't have to give any feedback. Right. So it was a little sneaky way around that, too. And on the flip side, I see people also outsource things a little bit too quickly sometimes or like outsource things in their own business because they they are really nervous and they're not like really owning it and they're not trusting themselves and like listening to their instinct, especially as a marketer. Um, And so they'll outsource certain things to people that I'm like, oh, that makes me a little nervous because at the end of the day, I do think as marketers, we have to we have to be the ones who are like the experts in our businesses, on our clients and what they want and kind of have our like finger on the pulse of the market and what's going on and be kind of dictating that down to other people. Um, and so we want to hire experts and we want people who are going to be better at things than we are. But at the end of the day, you're signing the checks, your name's on the digital door, right? Like this just shits on you. So that's the way that I always think about it is that like, at the end of the day, I'm responsible for all this. And so I can hire other people. I can let other people do a lot of stuff, but i do also have to trust my instinct that like i've been here the longest i've spoken to the most amount of people i've really gotten to know what's going on around here and if something doesn't feel right i have to say something so um that's kind of what we're going to talk about today so i have to tell you like i pride myself in being somebody who like loves all parts of my business and and online business and like running one of these kinds of businesses. I I mean, how much time do you have? I love writing. I love copywriting. I love like I'll preface all of this by saying I don't think I'm good at all of these things. I just I thoroughly enjoy it. Um but I love writing. I don't mind creating all the content. I love creating these podcast episodes for you. It's an absolute joy and a privilege. I love our team meetings. I love creating my products. I love digging in, answering people's questions. People have such good questions. I I really love like the strategy side of things. I'm obsessed with funnels. I love all the data. Like, I'm just one of those annoying people who really, truly loves all of these things. I lo- oh, I even love SEO. Okay. I know that was just probably the nail in the coffin. So I, I love SEO. I love like doing the website. I, I like like all of those things. And I had that attitude that first of all, I was like, no, no, I just like love it. I love it all. Like, don't worry. I love all of this stuff. Um, But also it's just easier if I just do it myself. Like I would try to I would like dip my toes into the arena of like hiring out a graphic designer or like hiring out somebody else to do something. And then I would get some stuff back and it wouldn't totally sit right. And I would be like, I'll just fix it myself. Right. And not that there was anything technically wrong. I mean, a lot of what we all do is very subjective. I mean, there can be like spelling errors or something like that, but otherwise it's, it's very subjective. And so a lot of what we do is just up to our preferences. And so I wouldn't see things that were up to my preferences. I wouldn't love it. And so I'd just be like, Oh, I'll just fix this myself. And then I would hire them out that same person out to do like, let's say more graphic design work at that time. And what do you know? Shocking when the stuff would come back, it would be exactly the same, right? Um, and I would just fix this stuff again myself, right? Never saying anything easy out, first of all, to not have to say like, Hey, I would love it if from now on, like great job with this, but I would love it also from now on, if you could do this like that, or I like it better when this looks like that. Um, it was a great way to avoid having to do that, which is like stuff I have to do every day now. Right. Um, and also it just like kept me really, really busy. I was just like running around like a chicken with her head cut off, just like, running from the, if if we could imagine like a a office building that ran, say, in Vanderbilt LLC, it's like I'm running from the art department to the copywriting department to the finance department to the legal to the customer service center to like back to like social media strategy. And I was just like running between these doors all day long. And, you know, I built a nice little business doing that and it was fine. And I was really tired. I was working a lot. Um, I really liked what I was doing. I enjoyed it, but I was like, how am I going to actually grow this thing? Like, I don't understand. Like, I just need to sell more and more and more, but I don't understand how to do that because I don't have another minute to spare. Right. So I thought at that time that I was actually saving money by not hiring anyone. I prided myself on not having any employees, any contractors. I was like, I do it all myself. It was like a badge of honor. Right. And I thought I was saving money. I thought I was doing like I thought I was like keeping my profits uh crazy high, which my profits were really high. My profits are still really high. But at the time, it was like insane. And it was just like, look, but look how profitable I am. Right. It's just kind of funny for me to look back now. And I remember and maybe you can relate to this, but like I also worried that I wouldn't have enough for them to do or like I had this very irrational fear that the moment that I hired somebody, like all of a sudden everything would stop. Like there'd be there'd be like no more money coming in and like no growth. And all of a sudden I was going to have like hired all these people and then there'd be nothing. And I was so worried about it. Right. But I've talked about this many, many times on the podcast before. And now I talk about this in my free legal workshop, which I will link to below Um, But I really had this like flip into this mindset of starting to prepare for the business I was becoming. Right. So I was running around thinking, great, this business is doing okay now. But what if it doesn't in the future? So I'll just keep acting like not only maybe even what it is like now, but what it used to be or like great that it's growing now. But what if like I don't I don't see any change or like, I don't know if the business of this side technically needs a VA yet, right? I then shifted though into this mindset of like, I'm on my way. I am becoming like X type of business. Like it, it truly does not matter. I don't care whether or not your your goal is to have a business that makes $10,000 a year, $100,000 a year, a million dollars a year. Like it doesn't have to like screw all the figures and all this like crap that we see online. It doesn't, none of that matters. Whatever that matters is what's important to you, and so like you need to know what kind of business are you building here, right? I would love to see you have goals that are like at least for the business to get better. I just also want you to be like very kind to yourself. That that can be really different for a lot of people. Yours doesn't have to look like mine. Mine doesn't have to look like another person's. So you you really start thinking of like this is where I'm going, and based on that. This is what I need to have in place to become that kind of business. So we start acting today like the business we're already headed towards. We kind of just like start assuming that that's where we're headed. You know, Um, it's kind of like if you were driving from New York to L.A., you know, you would make you would have this road trip and you would make decisions on what highways you take and where you stop and all that kind of stuff. What direction you go in based on the fact that, you know, you're ending up in L.A., even though it's going to take you, I don't know, (laughs) five days or something to drive there. Right. So that's kind of how I want you to think about it with your business is like, I already know I'm headed there. Right. So let me just like start acting like that. And that doesn't mean like spending irresponsibly and like acting willy nilly. But there are some simple things. There's a there's a very careful balance between that whole like jump in headfirst kind of mentality. Like I'm not one to tell everybody to like leave their jobs and like just throw your life away and like start a business. Um, Th- but there's also not going to be this like perfect planned point that ever where everything becomes super easy and crystal clear. So there is a little bit of like start before you're ready, kind of. Um, and th- th- it's a balance. And I think that people need to be more responsible with that advice that like there's a way to do that in like a- in a very tempered way. Um, and I think that that's what was key for me is that I stopped acting like the business I was at that moment. And I realized that I was never going to become the business that I had in my mind when I really let myself dream. And I really worked on my mindset and start, started to like drop some of these stories and these limiting beliefs that I had about myself and my business and my worth and my ability to be seen. Right. And once I started working on that and I got clear on what that vision was for me to build the the kind of business I'm building right now, I was like, oh, shoot, I will never get there if I keep doing this, like that's never going to happen because I'm just going to keep running. Remember the image I gave you of this like digital office building. I'm just going to keep running between all those doors and there's no way that this can ever get any bigger. I have to get out of the way for some of this stuff and I have to like leverage and there are people who can do this better. There's time that that can be spent better, right? There's so many different things that could be done differently. So, I think that there are a couple of skills that all online business owners should strengthen, flex, sharpen, and that you're really never going to 100% outsource. Even if you hire people as experts, you're still going to be the CEO. You're still going to be the one calling the shots. You're still going to be the one that's responsible for strategy. And also, you're always going to be the one who's here. Pe- team, team members can change, right? And we need to be like, we're, you're going to be the one that's here and you have to own this at the end of the day. And it's also going to be your responsibility at the end of the day. So what are some of these skills that I think like all business owners kind of have to own? Well, one of the biggest I would say is marketing, right? And so I want you two to kind of like, if you have this voice that's coming up in you, that's like, I'm not good at marketing. I don't know about that. I'm not good at this. I'm not good at that. As my therapist says, if we could just ask that to step aside for a moment (laughs) and just keep an open mind. Um, I think that it's something that we can become better at. First of all, I, I definitely think that some people are, you know, they have like an innate sense for marketing and like it's just very natural to them. But I also think this is something you can strengthen. And so I don't want you to like count yourself out if you don't feel like you're coming into this like at an Olympic level marketing person, right? It's okay. I think when we break down what parts of marketing you really need to own, there are at least three that I can think of, which is like the voice of customer. I would say like really that, you know, knowing really being very, very clear about what your customer is struggling with what they would like to see instead, uh, what kind of stuff that they've tried, you know, what they're what they're really, really worried about, like what really at the end of the day, and we like break it down, like what are they actually worried about happening? What do they actually wish would be different? What do they actually wish would be like the best case scenario? Really knowing the voice of customer. That also includes like how your customer actually talks about you, your what you do and like your topics and stuff like that. Like, you know, just to give you an example, like when I'm talking about legal stuff, I can't use like lawyer-y language. I I am I try my hardest every day when I'm, you know, writing something or I'm creating titles or I'm writing captions or something like that. I'm like, how, how would they say this, right? Because it's not about how we would say it. So that is like one of the biggest things because it's such a starting block. Because if you don't if you don't speak their language, then no one's ever gonna talk back, right? So it's a really, really important part. And when you go to hire like a really good copywriter, for example, to do like sales copy for you for the first time or a nurture sequence for the first time, or write a sales page for you, you need to tell them like, this is what my customers do. This is what they're worried about. These are the kinds of words they use. These are phrases I hear over and over and over again. This is really at the core of what my customers worried about and what they want and what they hope for. And here's little snippets of their day, right? It's so much of that. When you start to hire more and more experienced copywriters or like strategists, funnel strategists over time, they'll actually ask to speak to your customers and they'll do like customer interviews. That's why they're doing it is to get voice of customer research. And that's super helpful. But there were many, many times I hired people on the way where like I didn't have the resources to do that yet. And so it was really important that I knew that. Right. And then when I was reviewing copy, I'd be like, "Mm, they would never say that, or we don't use that kind of language like in this community, you know? So it's really important that you own that. The second part of marketing that I think you have to develop and strengthen is social strategy and social, like social media, I would call it awareness of like picking whatever, let's say, whatever uh, platform it is, I think one or two platforms like Instagram and YouTube or Instagram and Facebook, TikTok and YouTube, whatever. You would have to really understand those platforms and truly how they work, Um, kind of get a flavor for like who hangs out on them, how they're used, how people are consuming content there. I think staying a little bit on top. And this is where it's you have to be very careful that there's I'm not talking about black and white where like either you don't know anything or you like spend your whole day scrolling TikTok, it's somewhere in the middle about just knowing, like generally speaking, what's going on? Like what's going on on these platforms? How are people using it? What are some of the trends? Um, yeah. And and like, what are even just like as simple as like on Instagram, like what are the different surfaces that are available? Um, what are the main types of content in my industry that are being shared? How are people engaging? Um, what kind of patterns do I see? That kind of stuff. Because again, when you go to hire someone, if you hire someone to create social graphics for you or write captions for you or create social media posts for you, you need to be able to analyze those and say, that's not it. It doesn't. I want to take this strategy. I want to try that. Or this doesn't speak going back to voice a customer like this doesn't match up with my customer. Right. So we really do need to know a little bit about that. And that's something that we develop over time. It's also the benefit to only picking, which I think you should anyway, but like only picking one or two of these platforms anyway, because you can go deeper and not wider. Okay. Last but not least, the part of marketing that I think we have to own is product development. Um, For you, this might be like program development, offer development, depending on what you do. I think that's where it becomes really important for you to be the one to know what is the demand in the market? Like, is there a demand for what I want to offer? who's looking for it what are they looking for right um you know obviously doing like pricing research and all this kind of stuff like you have to really own the development of your product to even make sure that there is a a demand a want a need for what you're trying to offer because otherwise what you're going to do is you're going to go to a person you're going to like outsource the creation of something or like hire an ops person to like set up your product or something like this and be like i want to offer this product like go set it up here but you have to be the one who knows that that's even a successful idea in the first place, right? As much as we can ahead of time. But we have to know that. All right, so those were the three parts of marketing that I broke down. The voice of customer, the social strategy, and the product development. But outside of marketing, there are three other things I think we have to own. One is copywriting. And I don't mean that we have to own this entirely because this is definitely a great area to outsource over time. But what I mean by this is that I think that as online business people, people who market their online businesses for a living, we have to be good at copywriting, period. Like, there's no way you're going to get away from writing (laughs) at all. Um, And if you completely outsource your writing, stuff's never going to sound like you. Or if you don't know basics about copywriting, then when you get copy from a copywriter and it doesn't feel right, um, you're not going to know. Or worst case scenario, you're just going to get copy from a copywriter, assume that they know the best for for you and your business and go with it. And then when it doesn't land with people, you're going to be like, I wonder why that didn't work. Right. But even like I've said this so many times on the podcast, like I just think that investing in copywriting is even so helpful for your day to day, like running in this business. Right. So I think about it every single time that I go to write an email, like I write all my weekly emails to the list, like I write so much that I feel like it's so important that I have a basic working understanding. Again, the point is like, I'm not a copywriter. I'm not as remotely skilled as a copywriter, but it means that I have to have some skills as a copywriter or a person who writes copy for a living because I essentially do. I just don't. I write it for my business, just not for another for someone else's. Right. And it's also an area where I can learn a little and then like have a lot of practice. Like I write a lot. I I write things that flop. I write things that go really well. And I I just learn over time with reps more and more and more reps. Right. So I think copywriting is a great place to invest some of your time and energy and money, because I think that it's great to learn about. It'll help you overall. I also think you have to own customer service because I think that you have to decide pretty early on, like, what kind of business do you want to be? What kind of experience do you want your clients to have? And you have to set the tone for, like, how do you want everybody to be treated? And is this like a premium level, like Nordstrom level experience? Or is this a like Walmart? Like we're we have a like smiley face, but we're more about getting as many people in here and as many people out as we can. It's whatever it is that you want it to be, but like you have to create that because then you're gonna set the tone for when you do hire somebody to interact with your customers to say, like, hey, here's how we do things around here. Like we go above and beyond. We're super helpful. We're super responsive. We're known for being responsive. Um, we have like sarcastic wit and we like include jokes in all of our stuff, like whatever it is. But we have to own customer service. Last but not least, we have to own our craft. I mean, we have to be really good at at what we actually sell for a living, you know, I I feel like so many times in online business, like we hear all these people talking about like selling you courses about, you know, here's how to create a course or whatever. Here's how to make this many figures in this many months and yada, yada. But we don't often hear about people really encouraging you to do a really good job and try to, to be like really skilled and really taking a lot of pride in what you do and taking ownership over the fact that you're you're putting yourself out there. You're taking people's money for your skill And that doesn't mean being perfect and doesn't mean knowing everything, but it means continuing to invest in ourselves and our craft and in our actual programs and offers and products themselves and like making them the best that they can be right now, given the information and the tools that we have. Um, And I think that that's a really, really important thing for us to own. Now, all of the things I just talked about, marketing, copywriting, customer service and our craft, they're all things that one of the reasons I think that we have to be so good at them is that, well, first of all, we do them like every day. But two is that they are things that we can eventually outsource. They're probably some of the last things, like as you make more and more money in your business. But when you do, they're the things that I think you still have to have good, like a like a good grasp of in order for you to outsource them. Whereas with other things, like let's say you want to get a new website, like you can hire a website designer and a, and a web developer or their team You don't need to like learn how to do your own website and then hire a website person. In fact, it would actually be more helpful if you knew something about copywriting and if you knew something about marketing and strategy so that you could tell the website person what kind of layout you want or what calls to action you want to highlight or what kinds of marketing things you want to drive and write some of the copy. That would be cool. Right. Um, But you don't need to learn certain things like that. Like You don't need to learn about web development You don't need to learn about branding, like creating logos and color schemes like you could if you had a good idea of the voice of customer and you had a good idea of the vibe and like the the kind of environment you're really trying to create, then you can communicate that to an expert and they can easily turn that around for you. I also think that legal and accounting are another two areas where I just don't think you need to waste your time. Like you don't need to learn how to become a lawyer to run your own business. You don't need to learn how to be a CPA to run your own business. Those are areas where like I wouldn't invest much of your time to get to like really learn all about them other than the like basics with legal of like learning how to talk about what you do, learning how to answer clients questions and just like learning how to set things up pretty easy to like form a business or to like send off contracts or protect your content. Having that kind of information is really empowering, but you don't need to like be your own lawyer. That's why I've created what I have. That's why I have templates for you. I have the ultimate bundle for you. But the point is, like, you don't have to become your own CPA. You can outsource that kind of stuff and you don't need to beat yourself up that that's not something you know how to do. The The last thing I wanted to chat with you about was that there I thought this was like interesting when I was preparing for today's for today's episode. But I want you to think about are there things that naturally interest you in your business that are investments in your business or that can bring you a return like you could ask yourself, does this thing that I like to do in my own business does it bring in leads or does it generate sales? That's kind of how I would think of it. So, for example, when I started my business, like I liked SEO. I thought I thought it was really interesting. I also thought it was a genius way of like building up a lot of momentum and traffic through by way of leads in my business um, because I was capturing people's attention who were already searching for something. I didn't have any kind of social media presence. And so it was like, I felt like I was really starting from the bottom, you know, back then. And I was like, where's where's there like another way where I can do this? Right. And so I just genuinely thought SEO was interesting. And it was a huge place to spend my time in the beginning where I would be like, "Okay, I'm going to write 10 blog posts that are super SEO like targeted. So I would do some SEO research and like phrases and and questions and words that people were searching for in my industry I would then like write a little outline using like keyword rich, um, like headings, subheadings. And then I would write the post and I would kind of use like Yoast SEO plugin on my site to to like further optimize the post once it was done writing, uh, being written. And then I would post it. Right. And like that was something I was spending a lot of my time on. And it was an investment in my business, something that To be honest, brought in a lot of the initial sales and really got things off the ground. And some of those blog posts that I wrote six years ago are still pulling in, you know, doing that, too. Um, But like if I was obsessed with bookkeeping, for example, like that wouldn't have paid off. Like if I was just into bookkeeping, all that that would be doing is saving me the amount of money I'd spent on a bookkeeper but when I really liked to do SEO and I only did it for you know probably a year or so, probably two years, actually, like two years in my own business, I, I thought that that was like one area that I could be like, OK, I understand that I could hire someone. I didn't really have the funds to hire somebody at the time, but at least this is something I enjoy doing. And it's an investment in my business because it's actually leading to leads. And then those leads are bringing in sales. So it was then making the business more profitable, which then allowed me over time to be like, OK, now you can afford to pay somebody else to do this. And they have all these examples now to learn how I like things done and how I like things written. Right. Copywriting was another area that like I wanted to strengthen my skill in because I knew that if I was a better writer, it would be a big driver of both leads and sales. So I just wanted to put that out there just to like think about, you know, there might be some part of your business you're like, but I like doing it if you like doing it, just ask yourself, is this an investment in the business or is this something that's literally just a trade-off for like, I'm just saving myself the hundred bucks to pay a bookkeeper a month to do this. Whereas the, and then like however many hours that's taking you, if we could free up that time so that you could spend that time investing in marketing or investing in something else that's going to drive leads or sales, then let's get to that. Right. So That's why I think like the sooner you can get some of these non-revenue generating activities, especially like repetitive tasks that can be optimized and SOP'd. And then that way, like, again, you do it. So like you run through something. You're not ever having anybody come into the business where you've not done something yourself before, but you do it. And then you're like, here are the steps that we take when like we find a copycat online. We have an SOP for that. And then you can hand that SOP off to a very talented and capable person who can go and execute that every single time that it happens and then you don't have to do it. So I'm a big believer in choosing a couple of things you really love to do. I know that you can also outsource everything and you can't outsource everything all at once. Um, it's a lot, it's expensive. but over time, the goal is generally to like remove you from those tasks and start finding people who are specialized in it. And because you've done things yourself before, because you've walked the walk, You're going to be such a better leader and you're going to be able to give better feedback and advice. Okay, so now that you've listened to this episode, I would love for you to send me a DM and let me know, like, what is the one thing that you're really interested in now that we've had this chat that also is an investment in your business? And what's one thing that now you've listened to this, you think you could let go because you realize it's really just a trade, like a time money trade. I'd be so curious um, from you. Just send me a DM at Sam Vanderweelen on Instagram. I hope that you liked this episode. It was a lot of fun on my part. Um, If you're ready to start legally protecting your business, make sure you click below to watch my free legal training, five steps to legally protect and grow your online business. And with that, I will see you next week. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for listening to the On Your Terms podcast. Make sure to follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. You can also check out all of our podcast episodes, show notes, links, and more at samvanderreeland.com podcast. You can learn more about legally protecting your business and take my free legal workshop, five steps to legally protect and grow your online business at samvanderreeland.com. And to stay connected and follow along, follow me on Instagram at samvanderreeland and send me a DM to say hi.